We really appreciate you joining us for this podcast of World Video Bible School. Have you ever felt like God isn't answering your prayers? Times of heartache, struggle, and stress should also be times filled with prayer. Join Don Blackwell as he looks at God's Word for understanding how we should properly approach God and the frame of mind it requires Christians to have in receiving God's answers. Have you ever felt like God isn't answering your prayers? Not long ago, a Christian lady in her late 80s came to me and she said, Don, I need help knowing how to pray. She said, I just don't feel like God is answering my prayers. I don't know what to say. Have you ever felt that way? I certainly have. May 6th of this year marked three years ago that I got into a four-wheeler accident. It flipped numerous times. It broke my back and I became a paraplegic. It was the day that everything changed for me and for my wife, Sherry. I believe that most people consider that on that day, I lost the ability to walk, but friends, it was so much more than that. May 6th changed every day for the rest of my life. It was the beginning of daily pain, physical and emotional. It was the beginning of inabilities, financial burdens, constant doctor's visits, and, and those things that are too embarrassing to speak of. While I was in the hospital, the days were filled with rehab and retraining and classes, and my family was there with me all through the day. But in the evening, my family would leave, and I was there alone in room 504. It was then that I had time to ponder my future and to talk to God in prayer. I recall one night after my family had left that I was there in the bed and I was praying and I was begging God, Lord, please allow me to walk again. That night I got my iPad and I posted on Facebook asking others to pray the same thing. But day by day passed and nothing happened. I want to tell you that that lack of response it shook me. You know, it seemed to me like it was a reasonable request. You know, previously, I had traveled frequently preaching, and being able-bodied seemed like it was only helping the cause of Christ. But nothing was happening. And I'm ashamed to say that it caused me to doubt. For that reason, this topic is very real to me. In fact, through the years, Many of God's servants have felt this struggle. I want you to consider the words of Job. Job said, Look, I go forward, but he is not there, and backward, but I cannot perceive him. When he works on the left hand, I cannot behold him. When he turns to the right hand, I cannot see him. Job 23, 8 and 9. David poured out his heart to God, and he said, how long, O oh Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? Psalm 13, 1 and 2. Habakkuk wrote, O oh Lord, how long shall I cry and you will not hear? Habakkuk 1 and verse 2. You know, I'm convinced that many of us struggle with our prayer lives because we feel like God is not answering us. And so before I get into the meat of this discussion, 
I want to share with you something that has helped me. It's in Matthew chapter 11 and verse 2. John the Baptist there is in prison. He's soon to be beheaded. And the text says, And when John had heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said to him, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? I have asked myself several times, why in the world would John ask this question? John is the one who, by inspiration, announced Jesus. He introduced him to Israel at his baptism. I've read numerous commentators, but could it be, could it be that even John needed reassurance? And could it be that the Holy Spirit recorded this to help the rest of us that struggle? to show us that even the best of men sometimes need reassurance. All right, let's tackle the question, why doesn't God answer my prayers? I want to make several suggestions to you. Number one, maybe God isn't answering my prayers because it's not really in my best interest for that prayer to be answered. I want you to consider with me the words of Romans chapter 8, verses 26 and 27. The Bible says, Likewise the Spirit helps our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because He makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Now, consider with me the words in verse 26. We do not know what we should pray for as we ought. What's Paul talking about here? Friends, may I suggest first that in our prayer lives, we do not know what to pray for because we don't have a knowledge of the future? Doesn't Solomon say in Proverbs 21 and verse 7, Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring forth. But you know, such is not the case with God. God knows what the future holds. Secondly, in our prayer lives, we don't know what to pray for because we don't always have an accurate knowledge concerning what is even best for us. Moses Lard in his commentary said, our weakness and ignorance in this life is so great that in many respects, possibly as a rule, we do not know what to pray for as we ought. We want many things, and it may be pray for them, which, were they granted, would prove our greatest misfortune, while we do not want and do not ask for many things, which would be our greatest blessings. Here then is ignorance as to what we should pray for. He says, confessedly then, we are weak and need help. You know, perhaps Solomon gave a summation of the point that we're seeking to make with these words. He says, For who knows what is good for a man in this life, all the days of his vain life, which he spends as a shadow? For who can tell a man what shall be after him under the sun? Ecclesiastes 6, 11 and 12. And so what I'm suggesting is this. I don't always know what to pray for. I don't know what the future holds. I don't necessarily even know what is best for me. You know, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 7, 
The Apostle Paul said that he prayed three times that his thorn in the flesh be removed. Now, I don't know what that thorn was. Nobody does. But Paul believed that it was in his best interest to have it removed. In fact, he prayed repeatedly. But in verse number 9, the Lord said, My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. In verse number 7, he says that this thorn was given lest you be exalted above measure. Now, what's the point of that? Paul was pleading for one thing which God said was not in his best interest. And so not answering Paul's prayer was actually going to help to keep him humble. He said, lest you be exalted. That is, your pride would get a hold of you. God said that his strength was perfected in his weakness. You know, sometimes suffering, painful things make me better. They make me stronger. They make me a more capable servant of the Lord. And so sometimes I'm disturbed and even upset because it doesn't seem that God is answering my prayer when in reality He's not answering because He's looking out for my best interest. Friends, when I can learn this, it's going to help me grow with regard to my prayer life. Number two, sometimes it seems like God isn't answering my prayers, but I want you to consider this. Sometimes what I'm praying may not fit God's plan. Now, what do I mean by that? In Luke 22 and verse 41, the Bible says about Jesus, He knelt down and He prayed, saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Mark 14, 39 says, And again he went and prayed and spoke the same words. Matthew 26, 44 says, And he left them, and he went away again and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Friends, the prayer of Jesus is a cry of his humanity for deliverance. He prayed it earnestly. He prayed it in agony. He prayed it repeatedly. But the answer was no. Why? Because the will of the Father needed to be done. This has brought to my mind the question, could it be that when I'm praying for relief that there is something more important than my pain? Could it be that there are souls that could be reached if I remain in this condition? You know, I'm thinking about ending my pain, but the Lord sees souls and opportunities. Maybe someone is searching for the truth and providentially I will be the way for them to learn. Maybe there is someone who has a hard heart and they can be reached, their heart can be opened by my situation. Maybe someone will be encouraged to persevere because of me. I posted on my Facebook one day and I said, I frequently get discouraged by my condition. And I think to myself, nobody has it as bad as I do. And then I ponder my blessings and I think, nobody has it as good as I do. Count your many blessings, name them one by one. And then a brother in Christ named Charles Warren responded and he said this. He said, I think about it a lot 
But just think, if it wasn't for your accident, we never would have met. It changed my life when you and Aaron shared the gospel with me. And so I'm worried about walking, but God is concerned about this man who is seeking for the truth. You know, the promise to the seeker is, if you seek, you shall find. And so here is a man, Charles Warren, who's a contractor, and he remodels bathrooms for people who are handicapped. And here I am, a gospel preacher who has recently become handicapped. And he comes to my house, and he's working, fixing my bathroom. And in the process of all of this, we teach him the gospel, and he becomes a Christian. I believe it was all part of God's providence. I would like to recommend to each of you a book written by Dan Winkler. The book is called Something Happened When I Prayed. This book has helped me. When I pray, the Father inclines His ear toward me, Psalm 86. The Hebrew word for inclines carries with it the idea of stretching out, bending over, or bowing toward. When I pray, God leans toward me to listen. The Son sits at the right hand of God and makes intercession for me, Hebrews 7.25. That means that He defends me. He speaks on behalf as one who has been where I am. The Holy Spirit intercedes before the throne of God, Romans 8, 26 and 27. And so when I pray, I have started to envision what's going on in heaven. And I think about the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit actively engaged in leaning and listening and defending and interceding. And friends, it has given me more confidence than I have ever had in prayer. Now, I'm going to change gears a little bit and think some more about this. Why doesn't God answer my prayers? Number three, it may be that I don't recognize the answer to my prayer. Maybe God does answer. You know, years ago, I remember an older gospel preacher saying to me, if you don't want adversity, he said, be careful when you pray for patience. I thought I understood his point, but the answer to my prayer might come in a form that I'm not expecting it. In fact, I might not even recognize it as the answer to my prayer. As Paul opens his letter to the Romans, he writes this. He says, Now, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, that oftentimes I purposed to come unto you, but was let hitherto that I might have some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles. I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are in Rome also. Romans 1, 13-15. Paul's desire and his intention was to go to Rome. God eventually was going to take him there, but that was going to involve him being arrested. It was going to involve some prison time, a shipwreck, a snake bite, and a lot of other things along the way. You see, sometimes God grants my request, my desires, but not in any form that I remotely imagined. It could be that God is answering my prayer, but in my limited understanding, I don't even see it. Number four, maybe the answer isn't no. Maybe the answer is not yet. You know, our tendency is to make a request of God 
And if it is not answered the next day, we assume that the answer is no and, and we quit. And we grumble as to why God doesn't answer our prayers. In Genesis chapter 12, God promised Abraham that he would be the father of many nations. Abraham was 75 years old at that time. When we reach Genesis chapter 15, time has passed and Abraham still has no children. Therefore, he prays, Lord God, what will you give me seeing I go childless? Behold, to me you have given no seed. Genesis 15, 2 and 3. But the child doesn't come until Genesis chapter 21 when Abraham is 100 years old. 25 years. We must not forget that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. Time is irrelevant with God. Number five, God might not answer my prayer. Listen to this reason. Because God won't answer the prayer of a man who is living in sin or a man who refuses Him. I know this would be a shock to many worldly people, but the Scriptures abundantly teach this principle. You know, men have the idea that they can live in sin, they can live in open rebellion to God, and then when they find themselves in a pinch, they turn to God to bail them out. Solomon describes a person like this in Proverbs chapter 1, 24 through 30. He says, Because I have called and you refused, I have stretched out my hand and no one regarded, because you disdained all my counsel. Listen to verse 28. Then they will call on me and I will not hear them. I will not answer. Calamity will come, but I will not answer. Friends, prayer is powerless to the man living in sin. In the New Testament, in 1 Peter 3 and verse 12, Peter writes, For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and His ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. Proverbs 28 and verse 9 says, That the man who refuses the law of God, even his prayer is an abomination. Now, what's the reason for that? Isaiah 59 and verse 2 says, But your iniquities, that is, your sins, have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hidden His face from you that He will not hear. Proverbs 15, 29, The Lord is far from the wicked, but He hears the prayer of the righteous. And yet many people in the world don't understand this. They pray diligently to the Father in heaven, and yet they've never become His children. They've never been added to the number of the righteous, Romans 5.19, and their prayers are falling on deaf ears. Now, it's not that God isn't aware of them, but He doesn't answer them. I think one man put it well when he said it this way, when a man refuses to hear God, how can he expect God to hear him? Number six, God won't answer the prayer of a Christian who's living in sin. You know, David, who was a child of God under the Old Testament law, said this, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Psalm 66, 18. Sometimes there are Christians who live in sin, and yet they want to approach God in prayer as if everything is okay. Sometimes they just ignore plain passages of the Bible, and they come to worship as if everything is fine. Let me give you an example. 
Matthew 5, 23 and 24 says, Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, and there you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. What he's saying is this, your brother's got something against you, you take care of it. You fix it before you worship. Leave your gift at the altar. Go and reconcile with your brother. Sometimes Christians just ignore things like this. They worship. They engage in prayer. They expect that everything is fine. Or maybe it's this. Maybe you haven't sinned against your brother, but he has sinned against you. The Bible tells us what to do here also. Luke 17, 3 says, If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. Sometimes we ignore these type things. We live in sin. Sometimes a Christian has a secret sin that he engages in. He doesn't repent. And then he prays as if everything is okay with God. Number seven, God won't answer a prayer that is used as a substitute for effort. Now, I want you to listen to this one. This is very common. Oftentimes, men will pray a prayer and let that be a substitute for work, for effort. We'll say something like this, Lord, please help the gospel go to the lost. And then we make no effort to take the gospel to the lost. And we think that somehow we fulfilled our obligation, when in actuality, what we have done is say a vain prayer. Friends, the Lord teaches us to pray but we also have to work. Think about with regard to food. The Bible teaches that we're to pray for food. Matthew 6, 11, give us this day our daily bread. And yet, Paul said, if a man won't work, neither should he eat. 2 Thessalonians 3, 10. Think about with regard to purity. Men will sometimes pray, Lord, help the church to be pure. And then we ignore what the Lord tells us is necessary for the purity of the church. Maybe there's sin in the church. Maybe there's someone openly living in an unscriptural marriage and we do nothing about it. Uh, the elders maybe ignore it and we pray, Lord, help the church to be pure. Friends, we make a mockery of prayer when we do this. And prayer is powerless, to say the least, when we behave that way. Think about the gospel. We pray, Lord... May the lost somehow have the opportunity to hear the gospel. And, and that's a proper prayer. But in Colossians 4, 2, and 3, Paul told the Colossian brethren to pray that a door would be open so that they might speak the gospel, but they still went. You see, they prayed for it, but they went. And still, we have to do that. Still today, the command exists to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, Mark 16, 15, and 16. Number eight, God won't answer a prayer that is said with the wrong motives. You know, this seems like such an easy trap for mankind to fall into. That is to use prayer with the wrong motives. But when we do so, that prayer becomes powerless and vain. Now, one improper motive for prayer would be selfishness. James wrote in James chapter 4 and verse 3, You ask and you receive not because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. That is, they were praying for things just with regard to their personal pleasure. It was a selfish prayer. A second improper motive might be pride. That is, praying to be seen of others. 
Matthew 6 and verse 5, Jesus said, And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Now listen what Jesus says, Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. Regardless of how eloquent that prayer might have been, it didn't go any higher than the ceiling. The Lord said, they have their reward. Why doesn't God answer my prayers? Sometimes it's because of sin. Sometimes it's because of selfish motives. But it could be that God is looking out for my best interest.